price and it directly ships to the church so that we'll be ready for our packing party. And we have a really big goal this year. Mm -hmm. We're going to do 500 this year. 500 boxes. That's amazing. And we can all be a part of it. So what we're asking you to do is be sure and purchase something from Amazon. Go on the wish list. And number two, show up on the date. So it's going to be October 29th after church in the lobby. Show up on that date and immediately when we leave and dismiss church, we're going to have all of the packing stuff out so that everyone can participate. We want you and your children. Go ahead, prepare a note that you want to put in a box. Take a picture, share it with your family. Whatever you want to do, we want you to be a vital part of this day for us. So bring your families out, buy something, and show up on the packing party. Help make Operation Christmas Child a success this year. focusing on collecting combs and socks. Operation Christmas Child combs and socks. So make sure you scan that QR code and help us fill boxes for children around the world. What a great way to minister. In the house of God, we have freedom and we have purpose. And one of our purposes is to go unto the whole world and share the gospel. And that is such a great way to be a part. You know, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. This morning you are in the house of the Lord, and I am happy to be here. Are you happy to be here? Woo, all right. Well, welcome. Welcome visitors. Welcome online streamers. Welcome guests. If you're here for the first time, please scan that QR code in front of you or go out to the desk out there, and they would be happy to give you some information and get some information from you. Thank you for being here. I have so many exciting things to share with you. Um, first off, I want to mention that we do have a prayer team. You'll see them walking around with cards. We would love to take your prayer requests and pray over those for you. If you fill one out, they will collect it from you a little bit later. Um, something coming up this Saturday is our Brotherhood Breakfast. So men, Brotherhood Breakfast, 8 a.m. and followed immediately by a fishing derby. Any fishermen in here? Oh, they're quiet. Back there's a fisherman. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, so they'll have breakfast and then a fishing derby. What a great time of encouragement and blessing. Another thing that I'm happy to be in the house of the Lord for today is that there is a baptism. We love to get people immersed physically and spiritually. Yes, it is an exciting time when we see someone receive the Holy Spirit in this powerful way. So join with me right now. Let's welcome another member into the house of the Lord, into the Holy Spirit washed over them. Yes, thanks, Charity. How's everybody doing this morning? Come on, are you happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? All right, amen. I think half of them are. Everybody's still asleep out there. We have Dylan with us this morning. Everybody say, hey, Dylan. How many of you guys remember he gave his life to the Lord a couple weeks ago? Anybody remember that? That's right. Well, since then, he said life's been tough. Well, of course it has. The devil wants him back, but he ain't going to get him back, amen? As a matter of fact, Wednesday night, he was supposed to be here, and we were supposed to baptize him, and he got in a crazy car accident. Uh, the devil did not want him here. As a matter of fact, he shouldn't have walked away from that car accident. His truck did not, but he did. 
So hallelujah, amen? So God preserved him. So we thank God for that. And Dylan, he's 22 years old. He'll be 23. Come on down, Dylan. He'll be 23 next month. And uh, rededicated his life to the Lord. And we just thank God that, uh, that God is going to help him and be with him and move on his behalf as he dedicates his life to the Lord. And I just thank God that he wants to be baptized today as well. Have a seat right there, my friend. I'm going to give John the microphone. I don't want you to feel the Holy Ghost in a new way. And that mic goes in that. Boom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's no, right. Right, Father, we come before you this morning. We just thank you for Dylan. God, we thank you, Father, that you loved him from the very beginning. God, you named him. You had a plan for him before he was even born. And the devil's tried to steal that plan. And yes, we make mistakes and we do bad things and our choices aren't always right. But God, you are always there to help us pick up the pieces because your mercy and grace endures forever. We thank you, Father, that Dylan has made the right choice. And, Lord, that you are with him and helping him. You stick closer than a brother with him today. I thank you, Father. He is above and not beneath. He is a champion, Lord Jesus. And, God, I thank you will help him from this day forward. And I baptize him. Nose right here, like that. And put this right here. And, Lord, I baptize Dylan in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Woohoo! There you go, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Come on, my man. God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea, my God, he holds the victory, yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet, oh, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord, our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet, oh, we shout out your praise. Oh, 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 we shout out your praise. God who heals, we sing to the God who saves, we sing to the God who always makes a way, cause he hung up on that cross, and he rose up from that grave, my God still rolling stones away, there's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet, but we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet, but we shout out your praise. Because we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven. 
heaven accepted redeemed by his grace let the house of the lord sing praise because we were the beggars our royalty we were the prisoners now we're running free we are forgiven accepted redeemed by his grace let the house of the lord sing praise there's joy in the house of the lord there's joy in the house of the lord today and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the lord our god is surely in this place we won't be quiet we shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the lord there's joy in the house of the lord today and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the lord our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet, but we shout out your praise. Oh, 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 we shout out your praise. Oh, of the Lord. Come on, let's sing this out this morning. We won't be quiet because we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house. Come on, let's join this place today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet as we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet as we shout out your praise. Amen. 
come and move in this place. Oh, Jesus, oh, our hearts are open. Oh, come and move, Lord. just for a moment, let's just thank God for his mercy. Just thank God for his mercy. Lord, we just thank you for your mercy. You're so good to us. God, we don't deserve what you do for us, but it's your heart. It's your nature. You're a giver. You choose to bless. You choose to give mercy. Your mercies are new every morning. God, we just thank you. We thank you. You're worthy of all of our praise, of the very best that we could bring. Just magnify you, Jesus. We just lift you up right now.
Receive all the glory. Receive all the glory, Jesus. doesn't matter how many times we fail if we just come back to Jesus there's more mercy and there's more grace and there's more forgiveness what a good God Lord we just praise your name we just praise you Jesus we just praise you Jesus church we're going to take communion this morning and I was I was praying about and preparing for communion. I it's really I'm gonna share with you what I feel pressed on my heart. And it's to talk about God's judgment. And here's the thing, like judgment can be a scary thing. I don't know if you're like me, like there was a point in my life where that scared me, that God's a judging God. Um, maybe you've maybe you've asked yourself this question or or you know somebody that's asked it, like, if God's so good, if he's so loving, why would he send people to hell? You know, that kind of a thing. But I want to show you what God's judgment really is, okay? And I need you to imagine this with me. Imagine if I came to your house, and when I came to your house, I broke all your stuff, stole all your valuables, and I stabbed all your children. I know, that's, it's extreme. How many of you would let me back in your house a second time? Just raise your hand. If you'd let me come back a second time, if that's how I treated your house and your family, like you'd let me, oh, okay, all right. Let's take it a step further. What if I was your child, your actual fled, flesh and blood child, and I came into your home and I destroyed everything and I stole all your valuables and I, I physically assaulted my siblings and maybe even you as my parents. Now how many times would you give me a second chance? Some of you know what this is like. Some of you have children in a super rebellious stage and they're just destructive and they leave pain every time they come into your home and and you have to face decisions of how many times will we let them keep coming back into the home to just hurt and bring pain and bring suffering you know some of us aren't as gracious as God I think none of us are because the reality that the Bible teaches is that all of creation is God's house he created it all not only is all creation his but so is the person sitting next to you right now. We're all his children. And God's judgment is this. I will not allow you to come into my house and hurt my people forever. There's going to come a moment when God says no more. And the door is going to be shut. Right? God's judgment is good. I don't want to live in a world where God's judgment doesn't rule because then you can hurt me as much as you want, right? Just like we would set a boundary and say, you can't come into my house anymore. If this is what you're gonna do when you're here, you can't come in. God says, one day I'm gonna come back again. Jesus is gonna come back again. And when he does, he says, no more of this stuff that causes pain and suffering and sorrow and death. I'm shutting it out forever so that it can't hurt my people anymore. And to that I say, amen, Jesus. Let's have that. I want that kind of eternity where there's no more sorrow, suffering, pain. Oh, but the Bible lets us know we're the problem. I'm what he would have to shut out. Because I'm the one that brings hurt and pain into God's good world. 
I'm the one that brings hurt and the pain into other people's, God's children's lives. When I live according to the ways of sin and I don't do what God leads me to do, I just bring this pain and this violence. And God says to all of us, there will come a day where it will not be allowed anymore in my good creation. And oh, for the mercy of God. The Bible says this, Paul, in his letter to the Corinthian church, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What does that mean? Jesus is saying, I never sinned, but you're part of the wicked I'm going to have to remove from my good world when I come again. And instead of wanting to remove you, I'll take all your sin on myself and I'll pay the price. You don't have to experience the judgment. He says, this is my body. I give it for you. I'm taking your place. See what I'm doing for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. What is this about? The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. Church, if we can't be forgiven of our sins, then we're still those who are gonna be judged because we're carrying all the wrong that we've ever done on ourselves. And Jesus won't allow it forever in his creation. He's going to purge everything that brings sorrow, suffering, and pain. Paul goes on to say this. He says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, why is it so important that we proclaim his death? Because his death was the way of salvation for all of us. So every time we take communion, we are a prophetic witness to the world of the mercy of God that says judgment will come but I've provided a way for you. And you couldn't earn it. You definitely don't deserve it. But I made a way for you so that you don't have to be swept away when I sweep away all the things that cause pain and suffering in my world. It's the mercy of God that he freely gives. You don't have to earn this body or this blood. He gives it for you. What we do, though, is we repent. And repentance is simply this. It means to change the way that I think in a way that my attitudes, my actions, my whole being is different because now I've seen the light. I see the truth. I understand that God's judgment isn't a bad thing. It's a very good thing because it's the only way he can make all things new. But he's also in that desire. He's made a way for me to be made new. You see it. This morning, if you're here today and you have not confessed Jesus as Lord, if you have not repented, which means to say, I can't do life the way I want to because when I do, I bring hurt and pain and suffering into God's good world. And I don't want to be here when Jesus comes back and brings final judgment. I don't want to be on that side of the judgment of Jesus. I want to be forgiven and redeemed and made new. And I want to spend eternity with Jesus. I see what Jesus did on the cross, how he allowed himself to be brutally murdered, his blood to be poured out for me so that I could find new life in him. And I want that. If God is that good that he won't hold me accountable for my sins, if I just plead the blood of Jesus over my life, then I want to give myself to that. And church, this is why we continually come back to communion, because it reminds us over and over again of what we were rescued from. We don't continue in sin 
We don't just treat it like it's not a big deal what Jesus did for us on the cross. No, communion is a reminder that God's going to wipe away all the wicked. This is a remembrance that Jesus will come back. He's coming back. He's coming back for a bride that's been made new. If you're here today and you've never confessed Jesus as Lord, I don't want you to fear the judgment that's coming. I want you to know that you have hope in Jesus. That you can just come to the altar and you can say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to face the judgment of God. I know that God is, here's the deal, he's powerful. And when he comes to judge, you're not going to escape it. You can't outrun it. The only thing you can do is bow your knee and say, have mercy on me. I believe in your son. So if you're here today and you've never confessed Christ as Lord, you've never asked to be forgiven of your sins, you don't have to earn this. I don't care if you murdered somebody walking into the church today. You can find mercy in Jesus. You might still go to jail, but you can find mercy in Jesus. I'm asking you today, if you don't know Christ as Lord, if you've not repented of your sins and received Jesus, I'm asking you today as we take communion to come down here and grab anyone. You're all on notice. Somebody might grab you and say, I need to give my life to Jesus today. And you're all the prayer team this morning. Just be ready to pray with somebody and lead them in a prayer that says, Father, forgive me of my sins. I'm following Jesus. That's all you got to do. It's not hard or complicated. But if you're here today and you are not following Jesus, don't miss this opportunity. Because the reality is we don't know when he's coming back. He said, in fact, it'll happen in a way that we won't expect it. In the blink of an eye, you weren't ready, but here it is. And we want to all be ready for when Jesus comes back. Amen? Amen. If you would right now, come down and grab communion. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, grab somebody that's walking down to grab communion. Grab them and say, when we get back to the seats, you're praying with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Once you get back to your seats, we'll pray over it and receive it together.
I just really feel the Holy Spirit leading us to just reflect on the mercy of God in our lives as individuals. Maybe today you came in here and last night you blew it again. And you know you did it. You made the wrong choice. You made a mistake. You willingly walked into that sin. I know it's radical, but the mercy of God is that forgiveness is there. It's there. If you'll repent, if you'll come back to Jesus and say, I don't know why I did it, but I did it again. God, give me mercy. He'll do it again. Let's just take a few moments. I want you to reflect on your own life. What are the things that you need the mercy of God to just reign in your life? And not just the mercy, confess those things that you need to confess, but then ask him for grace to rise up out of those things and to walk in the newness of life that Jesus has granted you. Let's just take a few minutes as we worship and then I'll pray. Listen, I just want to speak what I feel the Holy Spirit's saying to me. If you've been contemplating that affair, if you've been thinking about it, there's still a road home for you. You don't have to walk it out. There's mercy. There's grace in Jesus. Don't give in. Don't give in. If you've been going to a substance to try to bring peace to your life, there's mercy and there's grace for you. You don't have to give in. Come back. Come back to Jesus, the one who satisfies our souls, and you'll never thirst again. You just got to come to Jesus. His mercy is enough for you. His grace is enough for you. Those who have felt like walking away, giving up, abandoning, don't give up. Don't give up. It's worth the fight. And there's mercy for you. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. There's mercy for you. And Jesus wants to lead you to abundant life. Don't give up. His body and his blood is a reminder to us that there's enough grace for us. It covers all of our sins and our weaknesses. We just got to keep coming back to Christ so that he can fill us with his strength. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up.
God, I pray that you would just rain your mercy down on us today. We need it. Every one of us, we need your mercy. Every one of us, Father. God, help us to walk in grace with one another. Father, those of us that have continually wronged someone else, whether in our family or in our church or whatever it is, Father, I just pray that we would all walk in forgiveness and grace, Father, that we would have the courage to go and make it right, to repent when we've hurt people. God, that we would live out your gospel. God, I pray for those, God, those marriages that are on the edge of giving up right now. God, I pray that your grace would be sufficient. Mercy. God, we plead for mercy. It's the enemy's plan to destroy. But you heal and you restore. So God, be gracious to us. And lead us by your love, Father. There's no fear in your love because perfect love casts out all fear. And that's how you love us perfectly. But you refuse to leave us in our brokenness. No, you're going to lead us to be whole, to be restored, to be reconcilers on this earth, to be your ambassadors, Father. And it starts right here today with receiving your mercy anew. Father, your forgiveness again that you continually pour out into our lives. God, we thank you. We don't deserve it, but that's just how good you are. So we receive it, Father. We receive it in the name of Jesus this morning. Would you guys get the bread? Father, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus who wrapped himself in human flesh, who joined in the mess that we have down here to lead us out, to show us that there's a better way, that there's an abundant life that you planned for us, that you wanted for us. And Father, if we'll just repent and turn to you, we can find it. And so we thank you that Jesus allowed himself to be brutally murdered, to take all of our sin into his own body and to pay the penalty for it so that we can be made whole. We thank you for your mercy. And we receive it today in the name of Jesus. Let's partake of his body, church. Let's receive the blood. Father, in the name of Jesus, your word teaches us that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins, but we don't have enough blood to shed to receive forgiveness. It was only because of Jesus. Only by his blood can we be forgiven of our sins. And so Father, with grateful hearts and repentant hearts, we receive the blood of Jesus that washes us white as snow, that purifies us from all unrighteousness and enables us to live in the victory that Jesus purchased for us. Father, forgive us of our sins as we receive the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen, let's receive. I feel led to do this, so I'm going to do it. As, this, as the worship team begins to worship again, I just want to ask the prayer team to be down front. If you're here today and you're carrying something heavy and you, need, you just need somebody to connect with you and to pray for the mercy of God to come into your life, we want to do that with you. So as the worship team leads us back into worship, if you need prayer, 
If you need somebody to just hold you up in faith today as you receive the mercy of God, we're going to be down here to pray for you. I'll be down here. Pastor Nicole and Pastor Randy will be down here as well. We want to pray with you guys today as we worship.
have a promise. And when it comes to our finances, we also have a promise. Amen. Hallelujah. If you need a tithing or offering envelope, please raise your hands. And we got some guys that'll help you. They also have some envelopes in the front pockets of the pews there. Praise the Lord. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. I felt that heaviness just leave, leave people's lives this morning. Hallelujah. That's the word that I got as well. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. You are just so good, Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. You just don't want to, sometimes you don't want to go on. You just want to just stay in it, you know? Praise the Lord. Some of us only get this once a week, once every couple weeks, once a month. It's just not enough, is it? It's not enough. Praise God. That's why we have to do this stuff in our homes, in our cars, by ourselves. We got to praise. We got to worship. We got to read. We got to study. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. 
I want to take uh, two scripture verses and put them together this morning. The first one is Genesis 8.22. Genesis 8.22, and it says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Somebody say, shall not cease. And then if you go to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season, somebody say in due season, we shall reap if we don't give up or if we don't lose heart. So we find with these two scriptures that sowing and reaping will never stop because the earth is going to be here while we're here. Amen. And that we will reap if we don't lose heart or we don't give up. So my question is, how many of you guys went to college? Raise your hands if you went to college. All right, a lot of people went to college. Wow, great. How many of you are still paying for No, I don't have to answer. A lot of us went to college. So those of you that went to college, how many of you have made a career out of what you went to college for? Let me see those hands. Okay. How many of you have made a better career just because you went to college, even though you might have not are doing what you went to college for? Okay, a lot of people. Absolutely. But I know that there were times when you did not want to study. I know there were times when you did not want to drive to the college campus or hit the online button and take it online. I know there were times that you were tired, that it was hard, that you wanted to quit, that you wanted to give up. I don't know if it's worth all this hard work and time. I mean, after all, McDonald's is now hiring at $17 an hour. When I started this college, it was only $10 an hour. It'd be easier to do it this way. I know we had those thoughts. I know you had those thoughts. I had those thoughts in high school. I had those thoughts in elementary school. <laughs> yes, and I had a couple of those thoughts in grade school. <laughs> but here's the thing, guys. Even when you were weary, even when you were tired, even when you wanted to quit, even when you wanted to say, I'm done with this, my head hurts. Even though you wanted to say no. It's too much money. I don't know if it's worth it. You didn't quit. You didn't give up. You stayed up all night and studied. You said no to parties that you really wanted to go to. But because you stayed up, because you said no, because you sacrificed all that sewing and reading and tests and all those things, you have made and produced your career harvest because of it. Yes? Amen? Absolutely, absolutely, you did. So you may not think that your seed that you put in these buckets today is working. You may think, well, you know what, this tithe, it's just not doing anything. I still have problems. I still have needs. But listen, you're being obedient. You're using your faith. That is pleasing God. He's happy with that. And you have a promise when you do that. We just sung about it. We have a promise. God sees what is happening, and your seed is working. It's working. 
We can't forget that fruit is sometimes slow to grow and it's also seasonal, right? It's slow to grow sometimes and it's seasonal, but it's always on time and it has the power to change your future and it has the power to change the circumstance that you were in and make it bigger and better. If Nicole and I had not taken that $23.50 seed that was really a lot for us way back when and sowed that, we would have never bought our house for $23,500. We'd have been renting. And I said I would never rent, ever. But because we trusted, because we had faith, because we prayed, because we sacrificed, it made it better than what it would have been. And God will do it for you and I as well. And then the other thing is this. Remember that fruit is fruit. No matter how small, it's still fruit. But God, I was believing for $100 and I only got 20 Listen, it's something to be joyful for because it's small, but it's coming. Sometimes it comes all at once. Sometimes it comes little by little. So be thankful for that fruit that came in. Don't spend it, but put it aside and wait for the rest of the fruit to grow because it's coming. Because God is faithful. Amen? Amen. Everybody stand up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't want to take too much time. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your promises. God, I thank you that as we sow this seed, as we sow our tithe today, oh, thank you, Father, that it does change our lives, that it does meet our needs, that, God, it puts us into a better place with you, a better place in society, a better place in the world where we can help other people, give to other people, meet other people's needs because ours are met. Thank you for it, Father. We thank you for your faithfulness as we do our part. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, everybody, bring up your tithes and offerings. service already. Um, I want to encourage those of you who just want to give a precursor to the end of the service. We're going to have a video guest with us at the end of the service, not until. So if there's anybody that's got some plans, you might want to hold off getting to the Chinese buffet before you see 
I use Chinese because that happens to be my husband's favorite buffet. How many of you remember the buffets? Seriously, yeah. Some of you kids, do you still even have buffets? Yeah, little ones. Okay. Golden Corral? You're right. Anybody ate out of their chocolate fountain before? That thing scares me. I don't know. I stick my stuff in there, and I, when I pull it out, I'm like, mm, I might pull something else out of there that I never knew went in. I'm not, not doing that. Let's, let's pray. Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. And God, I just thank you, Lord, for the word that you've given this morning, for the series, God, that we're in. Lord, I just thank you that you would direct my mouth and my mind, God, to be led by your spirit. Father, remove me from the equation. Father, that your word would go forth into the heart of men and women. God, and bring forth supernatural change. Holy Spirit, take our lives. Take our hearts, Father. Mold them and shape them. Make us, Father, into champions. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. So we began a series uh, last week. Brother Rick from the Dayton campus. Somebody say he did a great job. He did an amazing job. Um, Back in the week of Pentecost, earlier in this year... Um, Mr. D'Amico began exhorting the church. And all of a sudden, the scriptures he began spitting out, he began calling us champions and of a champion spirit. And the spirit inside of me just began to literally erupt in my heart. And I'm like, yeah, that's right, that's who we are. And it just began to fire this word in my heart that I couldn't let go. And I knew that night that somehow, some way, sometime, we were going to need to talk about a champion spirit that lives inside of you and I. Little did I know that our pastor would be in a fight that he is and that we would be speaking the word of where we're coming from. God was preparing us in Pentecost for the battle that was to ensue. Amen? So just know we are not off his time, we are right on time. So if you weren't here last week, I want to just review a little bit of it because I think that we really laid some foundational truths for you and I. You know, the entire Christian faith is based upon death and resurrection, the cross and the resurrected God. There's multiple religions around this world, but without the resurrection, there is no power in that gospel. It is not the good news. It's of news, but it's not the news. It's not the news that you and I live by. The resurrection changed the news that you and I believe. Without a resurrection, you have no God. That's all there is to it. Or at least not one with power. So let's go to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses of the life of faith. Now, if you read the prior chapters, it talks about these great men and women of faith. And that's what it's talking about, the great cloud of witnesses. These people have already lived their life for Christ in faith, believed in him, and they died believing in an eternal life with him, to be seated with him. So it's talking about those people that have fought their fight and they're witnessing or watching you and I fight ours, okay? It says, witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. 
We do this by, he's telling us how we're going to do this to run with endurance, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, the one who won, the one who defeated every enemy in his path, the one who stayed the course, the one who endured when things got rough, who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God in his throne. Keeping our eyes upon Jesus, our example of how to live this life. See, Jesus also ran his race, just like you and I are running ours. But he did it with faith. And, and this is how you and I are doing it. When we confess Jesus as Lord, our faith begins. Our faith begins. But it's not that it just begins, but it ends in him as well. When things don't go the way you want, you don't get a toss in the towel and say, well, I'm done with faith because things aren't working my way. No, until the end, we persevere and we endure hard things because we have faith. Not that everything's going to be okay right now, but we have faith that everything's going to be all right in eternity. It's what Pastor Tim was talking about today. We're not guaranteed no tears here. We're not guaranteed no suffering here. But when you and I cross over to eternity, we are guaranteed there's no more pain. There's no more suffering. And the final blow to death, hell and the grave is over. See, Christ has died and resurrected. But if you and I have died to ourselves with Christ, we died to our fleshly life in him, then you too and I are going to be resurrected with him, not just into a new life on this earth, but after you and I are dead and gone, stuff me in a grave. Jesus is coming back, and when he does, I will raise up from a ground. I bet it shakes. I bet it's going to be some amazing display. Even though it's going to be in a twinkling of an eye, I can just see the dirt rumbling and all of a sudden those who were dead in Christ begin to rise and meet our Savior in the air that's when we've completely arrived and we see our champion for who he is in fullness see God began a work through Jesus and he finished in Jesus what he started in him and that made him our champions see because Jesus overcame so do you and I because of him. See, he didn't quit. He didn't give up. He didn't tap out. He endured. He persevered through the difficult, challenging situations in his life. And he ran his race to win. Not just to make it. Not just to get there. He ran his race to win. You and I got to run our race to win. It matters. Every step, every purpose, every choice we make matters. Because we want to win. We want to win. I'm going to read this to you. It says Hebrews 2.14. It says, because God's children, that's you and me, are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son became flesh and blood, Jesus. For only as human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had power over death. He broke that power when he went to the cross for you and I. And then it says, only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives 
as slaves to the fear of dying. No longer are you and I afraid of what can come our way because we know the song we sang this morning, he's never lost a battle and he doesn't start now, amen? Because of Jesus, this is who we are and this is what we do. Rick said it last week. Remember, they had, I don't know if he was an NFL guy, NBA, I don't know who he was, NBA, NFL, HCL, they all run together for me, but some sports guy. After winning the championship, the, the, the newscaster's like, how does it feel to win the championship? He's like, this is just who we are and this is what we do. In other words, we just win. We wake up and we win. We wake up and we win. We go to sleep and we win. This is who we are. We are God's children. And because we're his children, we win. This is just what we do. Somebody says, man, I just don't know why you're blessed all the time. This is who we are and this is what we do. I don't know why you ain't walking and singing. Well, this is just who we are and what we do. It's easy. But why is it that sometimes it becomes so hard? It's real. It's real. Because the enemy comes for nothing less than to stop or extract your God-given purpose and the faith that's been placed in your life by God, he comes to steal it. He comes to take it. He comes to rid you of it. And let me tell you something. He wants you to believe that you have no power. He wants you to believe that he's stronger than you. He wants you to believe that he's the real champion and you're the failure. And he knows that if you get a hold of what God's saying to you and you get a hold of the fact that this is not of your own worth, this is not something you can set out to do on your own, that it's something that Jesus has already bought, already purchased, already won the war for you. He knows you're unstoppable. This is who you are. This is what you do. You win victories. You win suffering. You win defeats. When the devil looks at you and says, you're nothing, you're never going to make it. And you say, sorry, that's not who I am. And that's not what I do. I can only win. That NBA guy, he never gave a word or a thought to what he felt. It came up out of his heart and his spirit. I don't know. This is just what we do. This is who we are. We got to muster the strength. Or we're so expressed that we won. What? Of course you win. Jesus already won for you. Walk in it. Walk in it. Oh. If you've received Jesus, here's, here, here, this is huge. If you've received Jesus, then inside of you is the Holy Spirit. And you were born of a champion bloodline. Rick touched on this a little bit last week, but I wanna give you an example of what this really means. Some of you know that we've gotten a new dog. Praise you, Jesus. It was my idea because I found my husband literally looking at videos at 1 a.m. crying over a dog. I just want everyone to know he did not cry when our children was born. He did not cry when we got married, but he cried over a dog. <laughs> this dog was his person. They were together. And he was crying. I said, we're getting a new dog. I don't want no new dog. I said, we're getting a new dog. We got a new dog. Her name's Midnight. Oh, my goodness. 
We found out after purchasing her, when Randy talked to the breeders, that she was of a bloodline of 30 years of champions. Now, we didn't have a clue. We're not looking for no show dog. We're looking for a dog who's going to eat her food, not pee on the floor, and just be good. That's all we need. And don't get car sick. I don't want a car sick dog. They said, if you're going to breed her, you have to bring her back to us, and we will breed her. Because her line is so pure, it cannot be broken. <laughs> I'm like, how much is that going to cost us? So needless to say, she's not going to be bred. She's getting fixed at six months or whenever you can fix her. But my point is, is that if Midnight has the champion blood in her, the bottom line is, is that if she doesn't begin to be purposed and disciplined as a champion, I don't care what type of blood is in that dog. Right now, I'm trying to get her to not jump in her water bowl. Pick up her food bowl and empty it and look at me like, <laughs> you got to pick it up again. Or maybe when you greet her at the door, I'm like, oh, you said you could don't. She's just whizzing everywhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This was my idea. Ugh. I'm reminded of what a puppy does. But the bottom line is, is you and I are the same. We have a champion bloodline in us. Jesus, our ancestor, our brother has done the work that it took to prove it's in you. But if you and I just stand around our water bowl, jumping in it, acting like a rebellious child, not purpose, not disciplined, and not acting like you and I have the champion skills that are in us, it didn't matter even if I tried to show that dog, she would whiz all the way to the show platform. And they're going to say, that dog's not a champion. That dog needs discipline. Do you understand? It's the same way with you and I. I don't want to just be the ancestor of Moses. I don't want to be the ancestor of Joshua who said, hmm, hmm, Moses is dead, but today we will cross over. I don't want to just be a memory. I don't want someone to say, yeah, that was Pastor Dosik's daughter. I want to be, that is Nicole Waters, and she believes that she's a champion. I've seen the works of God through her. I've seen her stand in the face of adversity and persevere and have endurance when she didn't deserve to have any of it. I'm done living off yesterday's. I'm done living in my ancestors' past. It's time that we step over and step into Jesus, the champion, who he said we are, and start living in the bloodline that he gave you and I. When is it going to become real to us, church, that the same power that raised him from the grave is the same power that lives in you and I? Yet when the enemy shows up, we become timid, broken, scared, wimpy people. Stand up. You know, when Midnight stands, she looks out the front yard. This is what she does. She goes, her nose is pointed. Her tail's lifted. Her legs are perfectly straight. You want to know why? Because someday everybody came up, stuck her hand under her front legs, stuck their hand under the back leg and said, stand right. Pull her tail up. Lift her head up. And they did it enough times that guess what? She knows. If I act like my purpose, this is who I'm going to be. This is what I am. And I think to myself, man, she looks so proper, but she can't stay out of her water. Someone began the process with her and began to make her into the champion that they knew was inside of her.
Matthew 4.19. Listen to this, what it says. It says, come follow me. This is Jesus speaking. And I will make you. Not, Angie, I'm going to make you do something. Angie, come. I'm going to make you into something that you're not. I'm going to make you. I'm going to. I'm going to. You don't have to worry about it. Do you believe that I can make you into something you're not? I'm going to do all the hard work. I'm going to show you how to walk this out. Now, obviously, in Matthew 4.19, Jesus is talking about making them fishers of men. But I'm talking to you about walking out your life purpose with God. He will make you. See, sometimes you and I think that we have to do this on our own. We don't. We don't. God is in the champion-making business. See, he gave you all the tools, all the bloodline that you need, and the example to be it. Now we just have to walk it out. Walk it out. The bottom line is, is that if midnight would be trained, I promise you, 30 years of champion bloodline, the dog's going to be a champion. It's in her. She was bred to be one. You and I were born and bred to be champions. Let's go to the Bible story and let's watch the making of a champion. And let's see if you and I can understand some of the same struggles that Gideon dealt with. And let's go to Judges, the sixth chapter. This is going to be the majority of our text today. And I'm going to jump around a little bit because <sighs> there's a lot. It, honestly, from start to finish, there's about three chapters. So we're not going to do that. We're going to focus on what we can. And then in your reading time this week, this would be an amazing story for you to read in your favorite translation and get all the gist about it, okay? It really would. Okay, so we're going to start in the sixth chapter, one and two first. It says, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This is sin. For seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Now let's go on down to the sixth verse. It said, Midian is so, so impoverished, the Israelites, that they cried out to the Lord for help. Finally, seven years is too much. I don't know why they chose seven years, but they had had enough. They're like, oh, Lord, we need help. They're stealing our cattle. They're taking our herds. They take our crops. We've got nothing, and we're dying out here. When, G when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I even drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said unto you that I am the Lord, your God, do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose hand, land you live. But you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down. Hmm, sat down under the oak in Ophara, Orf, something, that belonged to Joash the Abizurite. 
where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press, wheat in a wine press, to keep it from the Midianites. Now, a lot happened right there, but I had to set the preface for the story. Sometimes I think in our life, you and I are found in the place of Gideon. And we're in a place that we shouldn't be hiding from the enemy because we don't want to face what we have to face. He is literally inside of a wine press, trampling out grain because he's afraid he'll be caught and then oppressed and his grain taken away. He'll be, here's the problem. The fight needs to happen. <laughs> Sooner or later, Gideon's got to stand up out of the wine press and say, I've had enough. I'm not hiding any longer. I'm not avoiding my enemy, but I'm going to have to take you on. And I don't know what this battle is going to look like, but here's what I do know. I'm sick of living hiding. I'm sick of avoiding facing what I need to face. Champions don't ignore. Champions don't hide. Because we have the ability to defeat anything. Remember, the people looking at you and I as God's children are saying, oh, look out, here they come. But sometimes this is us coming. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to show you the story today about Gideon. God honored him where he was in his fight. And it began in a place where he was hiding. Look at verse 12. It said, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior? I'm in a wine press hiding. I'm trying to trample my grain quietly so that the enemy doesn't see me so we can live another day. God sees you and I differently than we see ourselves. You get that. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That literally in another translation, my hero. <laughs> How many heroes you know hiding? Last time I checked, Batman stands on the top of the building waiting. Spider-Man's sitting there waiting for the cries of the people so he can come out and save them all, right? But this is the problem, is that God wasn't looking at the man who was hiding or avoiding. He saw what Gideon could become. Pick up your cross, come follow me, and I will make you. He was saying, Gideon, stand up. I got this. I see who you can be with me by your side. You don't have to do this on your own. Let me be the champion for you. I got this. So let's look on. Gideon is a champion in the making. Can someone say that? Say, I am a champion in the making. All right, let's look at verse 13. I'm having to put on my glasses. It says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all of his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? 
But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. I don't know about this. Well, let's just keep reading. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? He says, Pardon me, Lord. Pardon me. He's so polite, isn't he? So polite. Gideon replied, But how can I save Israel? My clan is of the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Let me tell you something. Gideon begins to doubt and question God. His words, his very words that he's speaking to him, he begins to question. And he really feels that God has left him alone. He's fearful. He's insecure. He's impoverished. Like everything he has feared is coming up on him, right? But the problem is, is that he doubted God and questioned rather than accepting the responsibility for what he had done. Did you hear me? There's a responsibility. See, and when sin came to the camp with Gideon's people, they began to distance themselves from God. Sometimes, just let me say this, situations that you and I find ourselves in are not because God's abandoning you, but they're because you have insisted, demanded to do it your way. Forget the little graven image that they probably carved out. In today's world, we are the God. We are the God we're worshiping. Our way, the prideful way, what I think is best for my life. And then we hold that standard up to God. And then when he doesn't meet our standard, then we get ticked. Why did you abandon me? I just feel like I'm all here alone. Here's what I want to encourage you. Based on God's response to Gideon, he wasn't angry that Gideon was questioning him. He wasn't angry that he was having places of doubt. He began to gently love him back and to assure him, son, I haven't abandoned you. I'm still with you. Go in the strength that you have. Go in the strength that you have. See, just like a parent, we begin to reassure our kids. Sometimes I think that before we even want to step out with God, we think we got to have all of it together. See, it's kind of like, let me talk to the marrieds. Let me talk to the ones who have had children. You know, you wanted this all to be perfect. You wanted to have enough money in the bank. You wanted to have a place to live. You didn't want to rent. You wanted to buy. That, by the way, if you need to rent, rent. That's fine. Lincoln just got his first rental. Why? Because the economy is horrible right now. You shouldn't be buying right now. It's just not a good place. My point is, nothing's ever going to be perfect when it comes time to get married. Nothing. You're ne- All you women, you're never going to lose the exact amount of weight before you get married. You ain't. In fact, after you get married, you're going to gain weight. And you're going to wish to God you hadn't got married because you gained so much weight. It's called happy weight. It's okay. All you newlyweds out there, you know what I'm talking about. Because it happened to Randy and I. I think I came back from my honeymoon with 12 pounds heavier on my body. Those of you that have had babies, you know there's never any perfect time to have a baby. You have a baby. And all the things that need to jump in place just start falling in line, right? Sometimes I think 
that we think we already have to be a champion before we can go fight a fight. But that's not what God was saying to Gideon. Here's Gideon literally cowering down, hiding in a wine press. And says, uh, mighty Lord, who are you talking to? Here I am hiding out trying to avoid the enemy and you're calling me some mighty warrior. I ain't even got a knife strapped on me right now, God. And he's like, no, no, Gideon, you're going to go because I'm going to be with you. And he's like, well, Lord, if you're going to be with me, then why am I in this situation? You're in this situation because you've chose to avoid and to not do what God's asked you to do. And sometimes that's a hard place to be. One of the first steps in becoming a champion is identifying that this has nothing to do with what you can do and everything to do with what he has already done. Go in the strength you have. Go in the strength that you have. See, he's asking you and I, God is really saying to Gideon, I just need you to realize that it's not your own power that's going to do this. It's going to be me. But I need someone in human flesh to step out no matter how big that step is, some of us have a step like this. Some of us have a step like this. Some of us have a step. This is me at night in my house for the top step of the, before I go downstairs. Why? I want to feel where I'm at. I got to know where that first step is. Sometimes a lot of us are like that. And don't look at me like a cow at a new gate. Two-thirds of the people in this congregation have the exact personality type as I do. So don't even go like this. I know what you're feeling. There's only a few of you that go like this. <laughs> Let's go on to verse 15. It says, Oh, pardon me, Lord. Okay, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. And the Lord answered to him and said, I will be with you, and you will strike down all. Someone say all. The Midianites, leaving none alive. That's not a partial victory. That's a complete victory. And Gideon replied. Okay, we're going to stop right there. This is what it says. Gideon was first doubting God. Now Gideon turns it to himself. Oh, but I'm the weakest of my clan. Like, I think you've got the wrong guy. Again, let's go back. You're looking at me, seeing me differently than I am. He says, but, but I am. He's already taken ownership. Ignore what God just said about me, that I'm a mighty warrior, and that if I go in the strength that I have, he's enough. He says, no, 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 no. I know better than you, God. Ugh. I know better. You don't understand where I come from. You don't understand how much money I make. You don't understand what color I am. You don't understand how old I am. You don't understand what side of town I come from. And God says, actually, I do. <laughs> and I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with you. The devil tries to tell us that we're not enough and that we just need to go home. Don't even fight. Do you want to know why he's trying to not even get you to put up a fight? <laughs> because he knows that really, if God's with you, he's doomed. 
He's doomed. He's not looking for you to ensue the fight on your own. He knows that the God who resurrected Jesus from the dead is the God who's behind the power that you carry. But it's you and I that have forgotten the power that we carry. It's you and I that forgot the blood that runs through our veins is that of a victor. The blood that runs through your and my vein is not one of a coward. And a good thing that God's in the champion-making business. And that step by step, he is with us. Let's look at the next verse. It says, the Lord answered, I will be with you and I will strike down all the Midianites. Listen, it says, Gideon replied, if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. Okay, I'm just going to say, can someone say, God is still. God is still. Reassuring Gideon. <laughs> How many times have you seen him get mad at him? Have you seen him say, Gideon, that's it. You get one more time and I'm done with you because you are not a man full of faith. Did you hear him say that? Did you ever want to see him blow steam out of his nostrils and get angry at Gideon? No. You want to know why? He was patient with Gideon. He loves Gideon. He was reassuring Gideon that you can do it. All you moms out there, you know what I'm talking about. You found your kids. Dads too. It's, it's like that first fishing cast that they don't think they got in them. And you're like, you can do it. Just throw it out there and let go of the finger. You're got, you got it. You got it. What are you saying? You're encouraging them along the way because you know that they're fearful that they're going to fail. They're afraid that they're not going to get the cast to the pond. Moms, they're afraid that they're not going to get it done the way you think it needs to be done. I remember Lexi, she was, oh my goodness, thank God for her best friend, Brittany. She was literally on the stage and Randy and I are in the audience and my mom, Papa, everyone's come to see her. You know, it's that first kids program and we're all looking for her right here and there's no Lexus. And everyone's holding up their letter, except there's one letter missing in Christmas. And it's Lexi. And you see little Brittany go off stage like this. Cricket, and here comes the eye. <laughs> what was it? She was afraid. She needed encouragement. She needed reassurance because she didn't have the confidence that it took to go out there. All she knew is that something was going to happen to that letter. It was going to fall. It was going to break. She was going to cry. It was just more than she could handle at that moment. God gingerly loves us and makes us into champions. He's not going to put you in a place that you're going to fail. The only way you fail is if you go in your own way. You go the way you think you need to go. God's asking that you go in his way. And that you go in my strength. You go in your strength that you have. And when all the strength you have runs out, mid-step, you can't even get your foot on the ground. God says, I got this. Down your step of faith goes. And another step is made towards being a champion. You think Michael Jordan became a champion because he never showed up to practice and all he did was walk in when it was time to show up and get the trophy and hang it up and take a picture? You know, and I happen to know the story of Michael Jordan. Why? Because I was a 90s kid. Michael Jordan showed up 15 minutes early to practice every single day. 
And two of the boys on the team thought they would try to show him up, so they showed up 20 minutes early. So the next day, he showed up a half hour early. And the next day, 45 minutes early. And the next day, an hour early until he began the leader of that team. I'm telling you that Jesus showed up early to your practice. He showed up early so that he could lead you into a championship. And if you will just follow along his steps and show up when he tells you to show up and bring what he tells you to bring and say what he tells you to say and walk like he tells you to walk, you cannot lose the battle. Amen. God patiently waits on Gideon. But here he takes Gideon to a whole new level. He tells Gideon, and we're going to go down to 17. He's, remember, Gideon says, if I've found favor in your eyes, Lord, give me a sign. Like, as if you talking to me and encouraging me and strengthening me isn't enough, give me a sign that I'm doing what's right. And this is what he says. He says, please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. So quick in the story, God waits. And then he comes back. But when he comes back, this is what he says to Gideon at night. He says, Get, we're in verse 27. It says, so Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. Now, the Lord gave Gideon specific instructions and said, I need you to go into the town and tear down the altar of Baal. Tear down what you think is right and the disobedience in your life and make it right. But Gideon couldn't tell his family. So he had to take 10 other friends with him. I'm telling you, Story after story after story in the Bible reminds you that those you surround yourself with are very, very important. And I'm here to remind you today that if you don't have people, that when things get tough, when things get rough, when it comes time to endure, when it gets time to get thick skin, when it gets time to persevere in the midst of adversity, when things might not look the way you think they should look, when the evidence of your faith is not arrived today, you need them to look at you and say, don't you dare get down. You're going to fight through this. You're going to persevere because you are of a champion bloodline. The spirit of the living God lives inside of you and you will make it. You will rise up out of those ashes and you will live. Those are the people that you need to surround yourself with. Those are the people. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes there's battles in life that show you who your true friends are real fast. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in a situation where people just run. They think it's time to run. It's not time to run. It's time to fight. That's what it is. It's time to fight. So Gideon was afraid. He was afraid still. Yet after having a fleece before God. And God comes down and waits on him. God's talked to him. God's encouraged him. God said, go in your own strength. You're going to make it. He still, well, does it at night in hiding. Still hiding. Still fearful. But guess what? He did it anyways. 
Here's what I'm telling you. There's going to be times in your life that God's asking you to step out and you're going to be afraid. And you're going to not know that you're really making the right decision. But I'm here to remind you that if you will do what God tells you to do, you will be one step closer to becoming the champion that you know you are. You will be one step closer, one inch, one word, one system, one day, one workout closer to being what God's called you. But if you never work out, you're never going to be the faith champion that God says he's called you to be. Though you have the blood of the Savior pumping through your veins and the Spirit of God living on the inside of you saying, let me out. Let me out. Please let me win this fight for you. Please get out of the way and show me that you've exhausted yourself. Because when you've exhausted yourself, I've only began to get on my fight. God's letting you go in your own strength. He's letting you do all you can do. You've heard the term, I use it as a parent. I tell many parents, you do your best, God will do the rest. If you've done your best, you have nothing else to give. Your best was what you gave because that's what your father and mother gave you. You go with the best. If your next generation's better than the last, you did your best, and God will do the rest. Amen. All right, here's where we're at. There's a couple more fleeces in this story. We go on into chapter 7. I mean, Gideon doesn't stop with one fleece. He says, Lord, literally put dew on the ground. And when the dew's there, I'll know it's you. The dew comes. And then he looks at the Lord and says, well, now take it back. If you take it back, I will really know. I'll have the confidence that it takes to go in and take this land because you've spoken it to me not once, not twice, not three times, not four times. Probably 15 times you told me to go and take the land. But God never once got frustrated at his nth degree. Never once threw in the towel with Gideon. He kept loving him. You got this, son. You got this, son. Yeah, I'll take the dew up. Yeah, I'll bring the dew down. Yeah, I'll do whatever you want. And then he goes on to the next one. And here's what he says in chapter 7. It says, early in the morning. Oh, no, we'll start on verse 2. It says, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. Hold up. I forgot to tell you. In the prior scriptures, Gideon got enough courage to blow the horn. And when he blew the trumpet, all these troops came. And there were 32,000 men that came to the call that we were going to go fight. It says, you have too many men. I can't deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. Huh. I can't imagine what Gideon, the champion being made, was thinking right now because I can tell you that my personality type would have been are you kidding me right now I finally muster enough strength to blow the trumpet all these men come and rally and say they're willing to give their lives and now you say send them home like Lord we'll just have them waiting on the hill we'll only take in what you need but just in case God was removing the idol worship of themselves he was removing them from the product See, sometimes God does things not in the way that we want. See, sometimes, it, okay, let me just talk real with you. I would much rather our pastor be touched by the hand of God and not take one more drop of that deadly drug. 
Not one more job. But the bottom line is, is that God said to him, this is the way you're going to go. This is what you're going to do. You know what that means? Ain't no bones about it. We go in that way. That's what it means. Because we're removing us out of the picture. It would have been easy for me to say, no, 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 no. That's not what we're supposed to do. God doesn't care what I think we're supposed to do. He's looking at the way to get himself the most glory that he can. For those of you that weren't a part of the dream team this morning, we had a church member go into the doctor's office this week with her little one. And on her shirt, she had her only believe garb on. By the way, I believe in only believe garb, and I'm just going to tell you why. Because I think we have the best name of any church in the world. In the world. And I think that it brings on a conversation when you wear a shirt that says only believe. And they start asking questions, and I start talking. It's just like a witnessing tool to me. It's not because I idolize my church. It's because I idolize only believe. And that is a scripture. That is the voice of God. That's the word of God, and that's why I live where I live. The nurse looks at the shirt and says, only believe. Yeah, we've been praying for your pastor. And she said, you have? And she said, yeah, that's Pastor Peter Dosick. She said, yeah. She said, I'm a part of a traveling nurse team. And the nurses in Dayton saw what he's come through and can't wait to see the rest of the miracle. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Had God touched him right then and there, and him never walked out, never came back, never been in the situation he would, that wouldn't be being said. God's building a case. God's building a case that when he comes down and does that which he's going to do, they'll only be able to know that it is the hand of God that touched our pastor. Amen. Amen. This is what it says. i got to keep on point. I'm in trouble. Oh, boy. It says there's still too many. So 20,000 of those men left and 10,000 remained. Oh, but the Lord doesn't stop there. He says, no, there's still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. Mm -hmm. Go on to verse 7. It says, and the Lord said to Gideon, with 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So that's what Gideon did. God continues to work in Gideon, allowing them. And this is what he says to him later down in the scripture. I'm going to have to paraphrase because I've got to get you out of here. Bottom line is, God has learned Gideon's behavior. God knows that Gideon is in the making. And that he's just not this confident person yet. And God's looking at reestablishing this connection with Gideon to say, I got you and I'm with you. If you just listen and walk my way, I got it. So he tells him, you're going to go in and possess the land. But this is what he says to Gideon. But if you're afraid, go on down to the camp. There's going to be a conversation and you're going to overhear the conversation And when you do, it's going to give you the courage that you need to go in and possess the land. (laughs) Gideon don't even have to say, pardon me, God, are you sure anymore? Literally, God is prefacing this for Gideon to say, I know you're still walking in fear, but thank you for walking anyways. Thank you for calling the horn and calling 32,000 men. Thank you for allowing me to remove 
22,000 of them. Thank you for allowing me to only leave you with 300. And every single step, Gideon gets stronger and stronger and stronger and looks more like a champion than he's ever looked before. The truth in the story is, you know Gideon wins because God was with him. Gideon finally relented. And he went to the camp and he heard the story and he knew that God was going to give him the battle. He was finally assured. That day, when Gideon set the 300 men in line and they all began to blow their horns and their plan of what they were doing, clanking and all this stuff, the, literally the army from above begins to turn on themselves and kills everybody. They don't even have to do anything. That day, Gideon was born a champion. God saw him as a champion before, but that day he became. God is making you and I. And here's, here's what the Lord is saying to you and I today. Throw off the weight that slows you down. The Lord is with you. You are a mighty warrior of faith. And I consider you a hero. The spirit of a champion, Jesus, lives inside of you because he went to the cross. He's not abandoned you or forsaken you. And there is no need to settle for anything in your life that is not good. I'm not done with it yet. No matter your insecurities, no matter the shame or your fears, I am with you and you are enough. Use the faith that's in you. Go in your own strength until you have no more, and I'll fill in the rest. No more avoiding and hiding from your life struggle or your enemies. Face it, and I'll face it with you. You will be victorious as I am victorious over every enemy that's ever tried to defeat me. When you lack confidence, my word will give you courage and reassure you and it will be okay. My spirit in you will lead. You follow and attack our enemies and a champion will be made. Stand to your feet this morning. Church, you are champions. First John 4, 4, I leave you with. It says, go, you do children. It goes like this, to say, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. God didn't leave you here to be defeated. And the spirit of the living God is alive inside of you and I. Live your life like it. Live your life like he's rose from the grave because he ain't no longer there and it proves that you and I have power you know I never want God to look down on me it says that faith pleases him this is a hard thing because sometimes I don't want to use my faith on things I don't think are going in my way. You know, I just get a little <clears throat> miffed. I get 
kind of frustrated when things don't turn out the way I think they should. And I think, what's wrong with me? What am I not doing right? And so I, I take a back burner in my faith. God says that if faith pleases him, and there's another scripture in the word that says, when I return, will I find faith? Here's the deal. You gotta use your faith even if you have doubts and fears. That's what Gideon did. He just kept taking these tiny, tiny steps. But I guarantee you that had the story of Gideon gone on, the next step of Gideon would not have been this because he had conquered his first battle and he had saw God be faithful in the little things. How much greater would he be in those bigger things that you and I go through? Father, we just come before you today. Lord, we know that we all are facing hard things. All of us. Something in our life is is bigger than what we can do in our own strength. God, I just thank you, Lord, that this word that went forth today, Father, would just rise that spirit and stir the faith within our hearts. God, and let us become the champions that you need for this end time. Father, we talk of our ancestors and what they've done. But God, I want to see you do it now. I want to see you do it in us, through us, because of Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you would bring these situations, these struggles, Father, and just like you did Gideon, reassure us this week because this is who we are and this is what we do. We are champions because of Jesus. Remind us, don't let us ever forget it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You are not dismissed. Sit down. I know you all just.